Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Today on the show, I've got Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress, and we have a good bit to go over as we continue to follow any and all portal news for football and basketball. We'll talk more about the sports world at large, some NBA stuff. We've been working on our stream for the Sports Call stream on the website. Unfortunately, still do not have that working. And so you can listen on the Tiger.fm through the Tiger stream, also the Tiger Communications app, or of course after the fact on the Sports Call podcast. But do not have the Sports Call stream working just yet. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Brant Daughtry with you here this afternoon. Of course, we'll take your phone calls. On the Auburn Make phone line, 334-887-341 locally today. Brent, how are you doing? Good, sir. I'm doing fantastic, man. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, you, you've been running around for the past couple of minutes, so take yourself a breather, my man. But um, I'm already out of gas, and it's 3.04. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be a good one today. Doing great. Uh, we, we've got a lot to talk about, like you said. More portal visits. Uh, Auburn is certainly not done. Uh, in, either, in either major sport, basketball or football, so uh, no new news, but uh, really just more new, a lot of news to go over that we've only touched on a little bit of. So we'll have a lot more to go over. Uh, baseball with a big series starting tonight. Softball uh, regionals starting tomorrow. So uh, a lot to preview there, and really, it's just you know, it's it's a great Thursday. Let's get into it. Yeah, we absolutely will, t- will talk some Auburn baseball as they get set for their series against Missouri. Missouri not looking like they're going to be excluded from Hoover. Looks like that's reserved for the state of Mississippi this year in college baseball, but we will preview that Auburn and Missouri series also on the program for the third and final time this week. Brooks Childress is with us. Brooks, how are you doing, sir? I am doing phenomenal. It is a great Thursday. Uh, you know, we can't wait to talk to all of our callers. Can't wait to get into the the meat of the show today and took a you know had, i didn't have a day off i had a day off of the show but i was still working uh yesterday and so we uh we're, we're back at it it should be a good show um braves got a big win last night come from behind win over the the texas rangers took two out of three from from the rangers and so that's a good good win we talked earlier in the week about how that was a series of uh, the, the last two series the blue jays and the rangers are, are teams that you're gonna the that's the caliber of team you're gonna see when it comes to you know getting to the end of the season into the postseason and you got to win those series and the braves weren't able to do it in toronto but they were able to do it in texas and now they get to come home for 
I think what nine games in a row, three series. You get the you, you get the Mariners on the uh, you get the Mariners at home this weekend, and then you get the Dodgers at home next week, and then the Phillies. I, I guess the Phillies is a four game series next week, so you get them. It's a few more than nine games, ten games at home. Uh, but yeah, you get the Phillies next weekend for Memorial Day, and so these are some big time. This is a big end of the April or end of May for the for the Braves, and so they're they're playing well. And, Auburn baseball getting started with their series tonight. Can't wait to talk about that. Auburn softball getting ready to start their play in the NCAA tournament starting tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, Auburn men's golf. I know mentioned it yesterday, but punching their ticket to the NCAA championship, winning the Auburn regional. I was out there. Uh, I walked around a little bit on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday um, with, with some of the uh, golfers, uh, and it was it was fun. Got to meet um, parents of J.M. Butler, uh up, up there and they're very nice folks they're from louisville kentucky and so got to meet them got to talk to them on uh while i was walking with the her their son's group and so it was it was a fun time out there and it, it's uh it's a great day for for a sports talk show absolutely and i do again want to say that one more time the ways that you can listen to us as we continue to work on the sports call mixler which links to the sports call tab on our website if you go to the tiger 95.9 tab on the listen live you can listen to us through that and you can listen on the app and obviously on live radio too but unfortunately still have an issue with our mixler software which links to the website which links to uh, the sports call tab on the website so that's what we are still working on we hope to have that resolved uh, at the very worst by the start of next week hopefully even by tomorrow we will have a short show tomorrow so it might not be Uh, as relevant at the time but uh, again we are working on that we are aware of it and again the other ways to listen the the tiger 95.9 tab on the sports or on the website the tiger.fm and then the tiger communications app and of course live right here on tiger 95.9 or after the fact on the sports call podcast also a a game we'll have today a little bit later in the show five o'clock sports calls more likely to happen We'll give you this or that type of topics, and uh, the guys will choose which thing is more likely to happen of some of the scenarios that are provided. Uh, Auburn, no new commits in the portal today, uh, either football or basketball. I think the the place I want to start, we'll do a little basketball first. We've been doing some football here the last few days to lead off, but I guess the most relevant basketball topic right now uh, is Janai Broom playing really well uh, in his uh, NBA draft process? Had a 20 and 11 game yesterday in the NBA draft combine scrimmages. I have not been able to gather from league scouts just yet if he's actually able, actually in the process of his working his way into the potential second round of the draft. I would still think there's a lot of work for him to do, but he is certainly producing very high. Uh, outputs here in these scrimmages and even now into the combine. I know they'll have some individual drills. We'll see how he tests in that. But, um, I, you know, we're not really sure at this point how, how much his stock is increasing. It's clearly increasing. It's increasing from a place that really had no chance of being drafted, so that makes it hard to quantify if he's now on the bubble of someone potentially being drafted or not. Uh, but, uh, this would, I mean, this is a, a good and bad thing, I guess, to uh, summarize it. It's good because it's awesome for Janai, and, and being a part of this process will obviously improve him if he does come back to Auburn. The bad is 
Of course, if you want him back in Auburn uniform next year, he's on his way to potentially not needing to do that if he's able to be a second-round pick pick in the draft. I don't know if his athletic ability would would really ever warrant him being high in the first round or anything like that. I don't know if there's certain things he could work on to maybe be the very back end in the first round at his, at his very best. But, but guys, obviously, uh, it is an interesting situation because we all – are glad he's doing well. We hope he continues to do well. But if Auburn were to lose him uh, for to the draft for good, now Auburn's without a, a, a competent center at, at that point. And, and now the, the transfer portal work gets a little bit more dire. The, the needs would be there'd be multiple needs at that point. Yeah, and I do think Janai is likely to come back. But if he doesn't, uh, then you're left with Dylan Cardwell as the only true big on this team. And, look, I love Dylan Cardwell, but he's not a starting caliber center. He is a backup, and he's a very capable backup. But that that is what he is. And you're going to have to go out and get somebody, and all of a sudden the work gets a lot harder. The work that you didn't think you were going to have to do, now you've got to do more. Um, and And – Nobody expected Janai Broom to go out there and play this well. And and like you said, it's great for him that he is, and it's great for Auburn that he's going out there and doing this if he does come back. But if he doesn't, well, you've got you've got it as a recruiting tool. Hey, we got this guy. He spent one year here. He ha- We thought he was going to be here for two years, but he was so good after one year, he, he was able to go ahead and go to the NBA. So come play for us. We can do the same thing for you. That's the recruiting pitch, and that helps. But it certainly does hurt for next season because all of a sudden your all-SEC center is not on the team anymore, obviously. So you're hoping as a fan that Janai does come back. But at the same time, if he's getting uh, if he's getting grades that say, yeah, hey, man, you could, be, you could be drafted. Like you're not going to have to fight to get on a team. Then, you, you know, it, he'd kind of be dumb not to go. Yeah, I think at this point when – I, look, it is tough because I always say uh, I think it's different for the sport in which you refer to because uh, you look at a situation where if I were to tell you you're going to be a second-round pick in the NFL, like I, I re- and I can guarantee you you're not going to be worse than that, then I would say go uh, for the vast majority yeah. positions out there. Um, however, for the NBA, the second round's the back half of the draft, so you got to look at each person's individual case. Now, I think the case for Broom to say, you know what, I need to go if there's any, if there's a realistic chance I'm being picked here, is that he's already a multi-year college player, and the NBA has always devalued guys the longer they stay in college. They very much look at it as every year you spend in college is one less year of us being able to develop. Mm -hmm. You've seen a lot of good four-year college players go in the second round. And look, to be fair, it's not without merit because there's not a whole lot of four-year, three-year college guys that end up being just these incredible players. Um, There's some two-year guys that end up being incredible NBA players and stuff. But, But a lot of these foreign guys obviously did not have American college Back when it was, you could go straight out of high school. You had your LeBrons at the end of the world. You have one and done guys that go to Kentucky uh, and, and all these big schools. You know, Durant, one and done. Carmel Anthony was one and done guy at Q's. And I could go on and on, but but they truly do start to devalue um, the the developmental ability of someone that has not been um, in their program um, earlier on. Twenty one. 
uh, or excuse me, a 19 year old compared to a 21 or 22 year old. So I say all that to say, you know, it would not be enough for Janai Broom just to maintain his level next year and then expect a different outcome in the draft process. He would need to truly be a three point threat and truly be uh, the consistently the best player on the team and the best big guy in the conference all year long to really make marketed strides up uh, off the draft leaderboard. And so if he gathers enough steam and can get some recency bias of like, hey, you know, this guy is just beating everybody at these at these combines, we're going to pick him 40th. We're, we're going to pick him mid to late second. We will pick him. Then I think he should go. I, I Now – Again, that's not the case for everyone. I wouldn't tell a true freshman that doesn't have a jump shot to go ahead and go pro if they're going to be a second-round pick. I'd tell them, come back and get a jump shot, then you'll be a first-round pick because jump shooting is very important uh, in basketball and in the NBA. But I think in Janai's case, you know, he would have a, a, a fair argument to make for that. Now, again, looking at this Auburn perspective – We've talked about how Auburn got off to a pretty good start in the portal. The Denver Jones signing was excellent, uh, but it has it has lacked some steam here in, in the last month. And Auburn's, A, just not gotten anybody new into the fold as they've kind of waited for these various decisions to take place so they know exactly what they have to work with. But, B, they just purely have missed some guys. I mean, they, they have missed some guys that they clearly – were targeting uh, at the wing position that they brought in a guy like Matthew Cleveland, hell, even Devin Cambridge, you know, which is a weird circumstance, but clearly Auburn was interested there. And so they had missed some guys. And, and look, all these teams are going to miss a couple times in the portal because portal recruiting is about as rampant as high school recruiting, especially uh, in basketball when three to five players makes up half your relevant spots on your team. So uh, it is not uh, surprising that some teams miss and, and Auburn has, but if you were to lose another player, I again, I, I would I would need something big in the portal at that point, uh, literally and figuratively, uh, because I would start to worry if you take Broom off the roster, uh, and we've done this exercise a lot, and so taking one more player doesn't vastly change it, but here's the exercise. So you have a Donaldson and Holloway point guard. You have a Jones and Johnson two guard you really don't have anything formable at three your threes are chris moore and or cheney johnson if he's more of a four you got jalen williams in there you got dylan cardwell that team has a very real ceiling that is 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 not what auburn needs it to be i mean there's a certain ceiling that even if holloway is great from the word go and even if donaldson is the NCAA tournament version of what we saw him, that team would have severe limitations. It would not be overly good on the wing, and it would not have a a, a big guy that would, would be offensively skilled other than Jalen Williams, who's, of course, more of a power forward. So um, <laughs> I, I don't think – I mean, I don't know if there's any hot takes to be had here, but, I mean, there would be a, a clear need at center – which I coming off the top of my head, I, I don't know. I, there's just not a player in the portal any longer that's as good as Janai Broom at the center position, not to my knowledge. Hunter Dickinson's off the board now. 
and I Oliver never contacted him to begin with. And then there would be still that need at wing where we've had debates on this show. Three-guard lineup or a true small forward, a true 6'6 six, six to 6'8 six, type of guy. So I don't know. Here's here's my question is what would be – what's the – What's the appropriate fear level? Is there is there a panic meter that's that's activated if room leaves? Uh, just where? How nervous would you be about the remaining process and about what would be needed uh, to get the team? Where where would you think the team would be at this point in time if Broom were to be able to to go pro here and, and keep his name in the draft? I don't think you're going to panic unless you can en- unless you have to enter the season with only one true center. If Dylan Cardwell is the only true center on your team uh, when the season starts, then I think that's panic time. And it, but even if he's not, then like you said, there's not really anybody in the portal who is as good or better than Janai Broom. There's nobody that can fill his shoes. You would bring in a guy who's filling a position of need that is not as quality a player. So. Like you said, the ceiling is now a lot lower than what you hoped for, and and nobody knows if Auburn's going to compete for a title this next upcoming season, but they certainly expect to compete for the SEC, and that gives you a chance uh, if you can win the SEC. So I, I don't know what my panic level would be, but certainly the, the ceiling is a lot lower. The, I think the floor is about the same, but I think the ceiling is not nearly as good. My panic level would not be that high to start off with if you know if you say if we had to make the decision today and Jenny Broom says I'm staying in the draft I'm not going to come back to Auburn my panic level is not going to be that high but I think Bruce Pearl and this staff has to show a little bit more uh, success rate in the transfer portal going forward from that point to the start of the season for my panic level not to go up I know Bruce Pearl has proven himself in the portal before but it, like you mentioned, Ryan, there's been some misses this year more than you you, you know we've we've been used to seeing these past few years, and I know that that kind of sounds like a oh we're missing on guys on the portal woe is us you know we we've been having such good success, but it, you know when when you're looking at it they have had a lot of success recently, and you know there, there's already you know you've already seen the articles out there from our, our friends on the beat Auburn's probably not going to fill every single scholarship spot going into this year for ba- basketball a few of those scholarships are probably going to go to walk-ons or you're, you're not going to bring in guys um uh you're not going to bring in enough in, as many guys that's going to fill that in and so I'm I'm with Brian I think that if you get to the point you get to you know start of the season start of the the fall camp getting into the season and Dylan Carwell's your only your only big man your only center I think that's when you start to be like, uh, "What's going on? Like, why why did, were we not able to get someone else in here?" Um, and and you start have to start looking at that and and seeing what what's going to happen. My panic level would be pretty palpable. I, I won't I won't lie. I don't want to start like a, a wildfire here, but I mean, you only at, you can at prevent that them, point in time. <laughs> <laughs> at this point in time. Again, just taking the roster as is, I know they'll have to sign a couple more people, especially if Broom leaves. But if you just take the roster for what it is, if Broom leaves, you've got non-SEC caliber starters at small forward and center. Okay, and then you are still, you're relying on a boom out of one of your point guards. So it's, the probability is good that one of them is good, but they have not in the past been good. That's what I'm saying. Like they're not a known commodity yep. yet. Yeah. 
And so you're still relying on something you believe will happen but have not yet seen happen. And so what you're down to is the potential at point, a good score at shooting guard, and a good player at power forward with, okay, a decent six-man, okay, someone that if he can play in KD Johnson the way he did the last 10 or 12 games, you are absolutely good with that. However, he plays like he did the first 15 to 20, you're absolutely not good with that. And then you don't really have much else. You An, an unknown commodity in Chaney Johnson, and then you, Leo Berman making – you know, one for two and eight minutes. I mean, you know, I'm saying like you're, yeah. you don't have, in my opinion, a tournament team as the roster would be constructed at that moment. Now, they'd have two to three scholarships of opportunity mm-hmm. to bring in the guys to, to, to fill in there and, and improve the small forward, improve the center position. But I just say this because, again, it is a real fear despite wanting every Auburn player that goes through here, wanting them to have success once they leave and have professional careers and, and certainly be be visible in the NBA, the biggest league in the world. If Broom leaves, Auburn's not in a good situation. It would kind of feel – I don't and I don't know if you would agree with this, Ryan, but it would kind of feel like that 2020-2021 team where you were – I mean, I know it's not the same position you were without, but you were without Sharif Cooper for a while, and that team didn't feel – Right, it, it just had didn't like, feel like two or three good players yeah. that just wasn't enough. Yeah, to, yeah. I, that, to do that, much of it. In my mind, that's immediately point, what this team point feels God, like. Justin Powell, <laughs> and then I mean, Alan Flanagan when he got yeah. hurt, he, who had a, a lot of tar- he had a high volume of everything that year. He had a lot of points. He shot the ball well. He also had a lot of turnovers because he's a small forward playing point guard at times because Powell got the concussion. Uh, and and yeah, and never mean, played the, for Auburn again. Right, right. and that and that's what a, a good weird point, saga that was because that oddly enough. You know that version of Flanagan and Justin Powell being such a uh, efficient shooter, and then obviously what Cooper gave you once he once he got eligible. Like there were some oddly talented guys there, but the team as a whole is just not very good because that's all they had. They they yeah. didn't have uh, they didn't have the depth they needed. So and, and that's my point here is I'm sure Denver Jones would be a good player, and Jalen Williams is was clearly a good player. We know who he is. But if you don't get that elite point guard play, then you're down to like two good players, maybe three if KD has a good year. And that's just not enough in an ultra-competitive league to go 12-6 and six in the league and, and be a clear-cut tournament team, especially when some of the – again, I talk about this in football sometimes with, with teams that are kind of batting above average right now given their program history. Well, I think that's going to start happening in basketball here with a few programs because Chris Beard's going to get Ole Miss going quick. I mean, this portal can make it happen quick. It, sh- it won't take four years for Ole Miss to be good. They'll be good in a year or two. And Mississippi State with Chris Jans has gotten some portal guys. Remember Andrew Taylor, the, the Marshall kid that, that Auburn might have peeked into for a little bit there, the average 20-game Marshall. He went to Mississippi State. So he's pretty much an equivalent to Denver Jones, and he already went to Mississippi State. So there will be some fears there that, uh, again, I'm not going to, to panic until Broom makes the decision, but if Broom does make the decision to go pro, then Auburn's going to have to come up with some stuff quick, or this team could go from, okay, it's going to have an interestingly high ceiling to a concerningly low ceiling at that point we're gonna go ahead and take our first time out of the show today when we come back birthdays and sports also will go to the auburn bank phone line you're listening to the thursday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 
Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, or you can go to the Tiger 95.9 link to hear us, not the Sports Call link. Still working on that one. It's on our Twitter right now. And it is. If you follow us on, on Twitter, okay. we've got it tweeted out. You can just go to Twitter. Tweeter? Go to Twitter. Just Twitter. Click, click the link. Get taken right to where you can hear us. And of course, you can also listen on our Tiger Communications app and with the ability to listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast. All right, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the show today. And we'll go to the Auburn Make phone line for the first time. Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Steve, you with us? Do not have Steve. Steve, you there? Apparently, we do not have Ward AMC right now, so we will not go to the automatic phone line uh, just yet. Sometimes that happens. If, you get, if you're listening to us, give us a call back. Steve, uh, to our knowledge, phone lines are working, so uh, uh, we will uh, we'll try and get back in touch with Steve. Uh, instead of talking to Steve right now, let's get to today's birthdays in sports instead. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in Sports, presented by Max Credit Union. Brooks Robinson turns 86 today, former MLB third baseman for the Baltimore Orioles. 18-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, 1964 American League MVP, 1970 World Series MVP, 16-time Gold Glove Award winner, 1972 Roberto Clemente Award winner, 1964 ALRBI leader, has his jersey number retired with the Orioles, member of the Baltimore Orioles Hall of Fame, named to the MLB All-Century team, inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in 1983. Brooks Robinson turns 86 today. All Brookses are elite. There you go. Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, turns 77 today, former MLB right fielder, played for the Kansas City Oakland Athletics, Baltimore Orioles, New York Yankees, and California Angels, 14-time All-Star, Five-time World Series champion, 1973 AL MVP, two-time World Series MVP, two-time Silver Slugger, four-time American League home run leader, and 1973 AL RBI leader. Is number nine retired by the A's and 44 retired by the Yankees. Member of the Athletics Hall of Fame and a Monument Park honoree. Inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1993, Reggie Jackson turns 77 today. It's the second time we've talked about Reggie Jackson today. It is. Not on the show, though. Not on the show. Vince Young turns 40, former NFL quarterback, selected third overall in the 2006 NFL Draft by the Tennessee Titans out of Texas. Let's go Horns. 06 NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, two-time Pro Bowler, also played for the Philadelphia Eagles. At Texas, Young was 2005 BCS National Champion, 05 Maxwell Award winner, 05 Davey O'Brien Award winner, 
and was a consensus All-American. 2005 Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, 03 Big 12 Freshman of the Year, inducted into the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame in 2018, has his number 10 retired by the Longhorns member of the College Football Hall of Fame. Vince Young turns 40 today. And Eric Young Sr. turns 56, current coach for the Atlanta Braves and former MLB second baseman, played for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Colorado Rockies, Chicago Cubs, Milwaukee Brewers, San Francisco Giants, Texas Rangers, and San Diego Padres. 1996 MLB All-Star and Silver Slugger, 1996 NL Stolen Base Leader. As a coach, Young won the 2021 World Series with the Atlanta Braves. Eric Young Sr. turns 56 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union, Brooks Robinson, 86, Reggie Jackson, 77, Vince Young, 40, and Eric Young Sr., 56. All right, let's try our Auburn Bank phone line again. Hopefully, we've got War Damn Steve now with us. War Damn Steve. Steve, are you there? Hey, guys. Hey, Steve. How's it going? Good afternoon. Thank you uh, for taking my phone call. Uh, I enjoyed uh, the comments you've been talking about, the uh, issue with Gennaro Room and, uh, and generally with, uh, I guess, some of our so-called commitments, you know, decommitting. So what what do you think – what are your thoughts, guys, that this is happening? Um, how come we've lost the people that we've lost? And why are we struggling to uh, get some people um, to to see us being an attractive program? Now, I see right here that we apparently are looking after a uh, person by the name of Chad Baker Mazzaro, who played at Duquesne and then transferred to San Diego State and now is at Northwest Florida Junior College. But he's not our Janiah Broom replacement, though. Right. Uh, yeah. I, no, I think with the call, the college stuff and portal stuff, I think are, are two different issues. I think, I, or excuse me, the high school players and the and the portal stuff, I think, are two different issues. I think the the high school thing is more about Auburn trying to uh, kind of one up themselves in a sense and try and get even. Uh, higher-rated players that they feel that they're going to be in on, and I think that's what certainly explained the Peyton Marshall deal. Now, now LeBaron Phylon was a little different, but also you got to remember that they've got a wealth of point guards kind of already committed here between Holloway and, and Pettiford here in a couple of years. So uh, I think that was more of a logjam situation. I think Marshall's more of a trying-to-upgrade situation. The portal deal, you know, that one is where it's a, it's a little tougher look because they do have some needs that are clear this year, and they, they were targeting several different players. Obviously, they, they got the very one of the very first ones that they they targeted in Denver Jones, but they've just not secured anything uh, since then. So, I, you know, it is going to be interesting to see if they can still come up with one or two more guys that will really help them. Uh, but, but obviously, they've been a little disappointing since the Denver Jones signing, and, and they still have a little work to do. And, and if Janai Broom is not back, then they've got a lot of work to do. Well, let me uh, throw these, uh, I guess, pieces of information that I, I guess, gathered from reading 247 Sports com, uh, Liars comments and also Bruce Pearl's comments. Um, however, what I've you know summarized or concluded is that he has told or encouraged uh, supported players on the basketball team to leave uh, Auburn and go for the NBA uh, draft if he says there's enough evidence that they could be the first-round draft pick. But if not, then he's, uh, for whatever his comments to the players would be, you need to come back. And I've not 
seen or read any evidence that uh, Janai Broom is a first-round draft pick in the uh, NBA. So my conclusion is that he's coming back if he knows what's good for him. The NIL money probably would be doing even better than going to the NBA. But guys, tell me where my reasoning is flawed here. Well, I think in general, I agree with, with Coach Pearl that the first round is kind of the uh, the tell on if you should go or not. If you are a first-round guy, you should, and, and otherwise not necessarily. But I, I would say Broom's case is a little different just because he's been in college a couple of years already and because he does have a couple of things because he's a little less athletic that I don't think necessarily can be approved upon. I do think that the shooting can be approved upon, and that's the – realistic way he could jump a little bit but i think that his case if he's able to take what was uh really no draft stock and then take it into all of a sudden he's looking at actually getting picked that kind of rocket surge is not guaranteed next year and he would have to play because he loses another year of development with the nba because because the scouts just value as much time with them as possible he would have to make sure he played better at Auburn next year than he did this year. And, and while that might happen, he still played quite well for Auburn throughout the year. So uh, I, I think I, I would understand if he did end up, as long as he's going to get selected. Now, if he still goes undrafted, then I still think that that is just not going to prove to be the best decision. But, um, you know, you still get uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you, if you are a second-round pick – uh, your deal, you usually get, uh, I want to say, 800 to 900k a year, which I would highly doubt in basketball that he's going to be getting uh, out of Auburn. So, and then of course he have the opportunity to potentially make an NBA roster, or at least be a two-way player. So, uh, if that opportunity becomes available, then that is something that he should really consider. So, what kind of feedback are they given that has him decide? Yeah, I need to go back to college, or I'm going to I'm taking my chances because they're good. You know, I don't know exactly what uh, what they're going to say to Janai, other than they would be concerned a little bit about the shooting element because he's a little slower. I would not think, and and look, if he was a couple inches taller, that would be one thing. But because he's more around that six ten range. I wonder if they're just going to view it as, okay, even though he's got pretty good block shot numbers, he might not necessarily do that at a high level in the NBA. He might be okay at it. So we want to see something out of the offensive side of the ball because I don't think it's a Kessler situation, even though Broom did block shots too. Kessler, because he's so big and he does have some straight line speed and he was the very best in the country at blocking shots, you know, he carved that out immediately in the NBA because he is, again, so big and so adept at it. Janai is a little lesser version, both in size and ability there. So I think to make up for that, Janai would need to be having some sort of offensive prowess, whether it would be a plethora of post moves or that jump shot to be kind of a stretch big in the NBA. So I would assume it would be more offensive related. I, I think his re- defensive rebounding position is pretty good. Uh, but, again, he, he would have to find a way to get quicker, which is very hard. I wouldn't expect that to really be the case. Or, again, he's going to have to develop some more offense. So when is the last date that uh, a player has to make a decision one way or the other? May 31st. May 31st. Okay. And after that, it's yep. over and done with. Yep. Uh, if you're still in the draft after the last day of May, then you're in the draft. 
You cannot return. Nope. Not okay. at that point. All right. Uh, moving on, guys. Um, any update on Mr. Bo Jackson and his uh, procedure for having hiccups for nearly one year? Yeah, I, I've not heard about it. I just, uh, in fact, I was not aware that he had that until last week when the when the story came out. So, uh, yeah, I, I have not heard a, a follow up to if he got that uh, surgery already, or if it's still in the coming days, and, and how it went. Yeah, apparently he's been suffering with it. I mean, continuously, almost like I said, on a daily basis. He said, "Here's his quote." He says, "I've done everything. Quote, scare me, hang upside down, drink water, smell the ass of a porcupine." He said it didn't work. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 I'd be honest with you. I had really not heard of such a thing. Um, and but uh, I can't imagine. I get annoyed after about five minutes. So uh, that that has to be incredibly frustrating. All right. Uh, moving on, guys, to the uh, baseball series with Missouri. I uh, see where uh, apparently uh, our coach. Uh, Thompson's going to hold back on Herbert Holtz uh, for two weeks, he says, here on 247 Sports. And we're going to go with Alsop tonight. Yeah, keeping Vale in the middle of the, of yeah. the rotation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, again, you know, Auburn, now that they've achieved what they had to, which to be fair, they'd already done it prior to the Ole Miss series, but now that they know they're going to make the NCAA tournament, they don't have to push people. And unless they did something drastic like either swept Missouri or got swept by Missouri, I really think they're going to be a two seed. I don't think they're going to move because they're right in the middle of twos. If you look at the projections, they're lined up with like seven, eight, nine seeds, which puts them, you know, 23rd, 25th best team in the country. That's right, right in the middle of two seeds. So it would take a lot to drop and it would take a lot to move up. So, uh, in that case, with Herbert Holes having some discomfort, you need him for the postseason. And even even more so, I mean, even though the SEC tournament's important, the NCAA tournament is the most important, obviously. So he's got to be right for that. He's got to be available for that. He's been a part of this resurgence, this improved pitching. And so uh, I, they, they've got to be careful with him. So being a host regional is pretty much – yeah, there's a small, small. They got to sweep Missouri, and then they got to do damage in Hoover. I mean, they'll have to. The, the good news for them is they're in the SEC, therefore they're going to have opportunities to, to better their RPI and to play good teams and and uh, and, and beat the, the creme de la creme. But again, it, it is being seven to ten teams away from hosting a regional with only one series left, and then conference tournament. I mean, again, you. You've got to think big with what they've got to do. And and Missouri being one of the lesser teams in the SEC, this is not going to be a tremendous help to that RPI or to that resume, a home series against the number 12 team in the league. So, again, that's why you got to sweep it and and then come up with some some fun stuff in the in the SEC tournament. Yeah, of course. I'm always reminded of you know uh, Tom Peavy's comments. He thinks it happened. However, I'm looking at this uh, stats here, and uh, Missouri is 1-11. League games on the road. Now, what does that tell us? Uh, they've been terrible on the road, and that Auburn's got a great they're on chance. The road. Yep, and they are on the road. But uh, Missouri did win their series last weekend at home. So, is it more about where they're playing or how they're playing at that moment? And we we will see. Okay, and finally, for the list, that are just insufferable, and I don't even know why they do this, except I guess they need clickbait. But from CBS Sports, where does Hugh Freeze rank among Power Five head coaches? I said, really. How do they 
how do they even make these value judgments and based on what criteria? Have you read that uh, article from Nathan King? Yeah, I have not read that. Yeah, well, apparently, uh, Freeze is ranked number 26 by CBS Sports in its assessment of Power 5 head coaches. That's uh, a little better than in the middle. What, they're about 64-ish Power 5 yeah. teams, so just a little bit above average? Uh, they even ranked uh, Harson back then. Last year, he was ranked uh, number 43. Yeah, that probably went down. After. I'm sorry, 48. 48 yeah, there it is. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. probably did not get better. So here's their listing for the SEC coaches, uh, according to CBS. Jimbo Fisher is ranked number 20. Okay. Stoops is number 18. Okay. Josh Hypo, 16. Lane Kiffin, 14. Brian Kelly, yeah. number 6. Yeah. And the top two are Smart your usual suspects. Yeah, yeah Saban's number 1. Yep. So there, there you go. Now, among... The first year Power Five coaches free the second, only to Luke Fickle. Okay, from his time at Cincinnati, where uh, got them into a playoff and and had good years. Okay. So guys, why do they do this stuff? I mean, we don't even have a clue of what you know our team's going to look like or anything like that. I guess they're just going. It's just off season material. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's it's just, it's, it's stuff for, for people to, to talk about like ourselves and. And just to make lists, to make lists, and, and for people to, to bicker over. Okay, so that's basically it. All right, uh, with that, guys, about tomorrow, you know, the softball team will be playing at 4.30, our time. Will we have sports call tomorrow? We will have a, a, a one-hour show. Now, if there's some sort of weather in Clemson and the games get pushed way back, then we'll, we'll keep going. But right now, we're only going to plan for a one-hour show. So we'll be off air at 4. Okay. All right, then, guys. Well, I look forward to listening to you on the podcast, and thank you for your time. My time is always way up. So have a safe afternoon, and uh, hopefully we get a chance to talk to you tomorrow. Yes, sir. Warrior, guys. Warrior, we'll see. Appreciate that phone call, as always. That is retired Warrior MC joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Only got a couple minutes left in the hour, uh, and, uh, yeah, just talking some of those items at the end there again reminder that there will only be a one hour show unless something wild happens even if it looks like airtime might be 420 or 430 instead of 415 we're gonna keep it to four o'clock unless you know something wild's happening the, the good news is we come on air at three and the the, the Clemson game should be an hour into it because Clemson plays before Auburn they play at two o'clock against I believe it's UNC Greensboro yeah um, as the four seed in that region. So we'll know how that game's kind of flowing. We'll adjust on the fly if we have to. But uh, unless something drastic's going on, we're going to keep it to a one-hour show uh, tomorrow. And then, uh, yeah, Auburn-Missouri coming up. First game of that series tonight. Can't deep dive here in just about uh, 120 seconds. But, uh, Brooks, you'll be going tonight. Yeah, I'll be there. Final game of the season. What you going food-wise? Oh man, I don't know because this you, last time, man. See, unless I've, they host a regional, which I've is really, doubtful. I've really uh, uh, latched onto the barbecue tent they have there. There's a there's a barbecue tent that's right inside the the main gates, and so I've latched onto that. Um, but last time I was out there, it was, they were, they were out of everything that they were and they were trying to cook everything, and I was like, I'm hungry now, so I had to go get a hot dog. So it, it may be it possibly Chick fil A. At the at the game could be Chick Fil A, but also I could uh, very much uh, hit that barbecue tent up. Did you appreciate this year the new um, grab and go station 
Did you did you enjoy that? I only that did it element? a cu- I only did it a couple times. Yeah, it, I mean, it was good for convenience, but you know, it, it they didn't have everything that I was looking for. It was, it was very much a you know, like here's candy, here's popcorn, here's nachos, go and hot dog. Yeah. yeah. But is that more of a Plainsman Park issue as a whole? Are you talking about they didn't have things that they have in other places of the park? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. It's so like they didn't have sausage at the, at that stand. They didn't have, you know, the like a, a, a you know, you could go and get a dessert at the the up down the right the right field line. Um I'm I'm still li- listen, listen. <laughs> I'm still a little salty that they took away the grilled cheese stand from like 5 years ago. Oh. They had a, a so they can do no right for you. They right had a now. phenomenal grilled. Che- well, they they earned some points back when they put Kanaka sausage in, but when they took away that grilled cheese stand a couple years uh, about five years ago, it, it it hurt me. It hurt me in my core. It was a good stand. I never partook of that because I only been to. I feel like I only go to like one or two a year, and the, so I had not had that. The grilled Southern Charm, which was Texas toast, American cheese, pimento cheese, bacon, and jalapenos. I don't like pimento cheese, but I like everything else about so that. So good. You tell me bacon and jalapenos. That's just that's a combo that that goes together yeah. on 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 a lot of great sandwiches. Some nights I wake up thinking about that sandwich. Wow. Well, bring it back, Auburn. Bring it yeah. back, and then Brooks will go every game instead of just darn right game here and there. You want a new season ticket holder? There you go. All there. Lay it all on the line. There. We are out of time for hour number one. Although the wife may not appreciate that. Yeah. Shared finances now. That's how it works. But uh, out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned. A lot more sports call after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back. Hour number two of Sports Call right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Brent Daughtry. The world may never know what you just said before coming back on air. I hope they don't. Uh, As we, we start hour number two. On this Sports Talk Thursday, wow. a reminder that uh, this time tomorrow you might not be hearing us any longer as we plan to be off air at 4 o'clock in time for 4.15 airtime from Clemson, South Carolina as Auburn takes on Cal State Florida in the NCAA softball tournament. We were talking a little bit before break, so we'll continue this with the more 
serious side of things, although I I thought always, the food was serious. I, the food is serious. Uh, the more topical, maybe I'd go with it's not food call, even though some days I want it to be. It'd be great. Uh, um, and go with the sports element again uh, about this Auburn and Missouri baseball series. Hopefully the rain will stay away. Scattered storms this time of year starting to ramp up, and we've certainly seen a few of those around here the last couple of days. Uh, but uh, this year we, we've gone through – a complete 180 in the Auburn season where I we mention it every single time, but the first four or five SEC series just did not look much like an NCAA tournament team. And now just does not look like a team uh, that uh, can do anything other than play their best baseball of the year right now. They are 7-2 and two in their last three SEC series there. Uh, and, and they've just been... Uh, tremendous with obviously the bats they've added guys producing other than just the back and forth we had earlier in the year with Bryson Ware, Ike Irish, Bryson Ware, Ike Irish. Hey, Ike Irish is good, and Bryson Ware just did another home run. That was all it was in the lineup for the most part. But we've seen Cooper McMurray hit uh, a plethora of home runs. Casein Howell's been our player of the week here recently with the damage he has done, uh, and even Chris Stanfield now solidifying the outfield defensively. Everything he brings on the base paths, it's been fun to watch. The pitching's been better. And now Auburn finds itself solidly in NCAA tournament position uh, with probably not much room to move, which is not necessarily a bad thing this time of year. Uh, I'm a little victimized by softball being on the on the edge as it came down the stretch there and then not getting um, any, any love there. So maybe it's a good thing that Auburn's not like 18th right now, that they're more like 24th, 25th, and they, and they know that they're – solidly a two right now but but guys as we look towards this missouri series missouri again i believe 12th in the sec coming in the series uh steve gave you the number that they have not played well at all on the road they've been a quite a good home team is what that means but they've not been good on the road at all so um what do you want to see at auburn in this series as they get ready for the tournament and uh just again how impressive has uh, this, these last three or four weeks been yeah, I mean, we've outlined over and over how impressive the turnaround has been, how it seems like this was just kind of a season where you back up and punt and come back and try again next year. But, no, they've really turned it around, and, and it's been super impressive. And we've talked about the pitching, and uh, like you said, the lineup has gotten better from top to bottom, and it's not just two guys really doing most of the heavy lifting anymore. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, this weekend, I want two out of three. I'm not. I I don't believe in asking for sweeps. Uh, I feel like that's you've got to get a little bit lucky to get a sweep. You've got to execute everything perfectly uh, nine times out of ten to get a sweep. So I'm going to say I want two out of three, especially since uh, I I can't remember which guy they're resting, but they're resting one of the starting pitchers, Herbert, Holtz, Herbert yeah. Holtz, So they're not going to start him. So you're going to your fourth weekend starter. So that you could very well drop that game and. It would suck to drop a game to a team as bad as Missouri, especially a team as bad as Missouri that is as bad as they are on the road. But I feel like two out of three win the series. That's a reasonable ask, uh, and it sets you up pretty well going into Hoover. You look at this baseball team, and I know you mentioned it, Ryan, that it, it, it's been such a vast turnaround. I think we started getting getting worried at that the beginning of middle or middle of March when they lost that series to Southeastern Louisiana. Now, SE, uh, SELU is a, is a team that made the NCAA tournament last year. We remember them coming to play in some part for the Auburn Regional last year. But still, that's not a team Auburn should be losing two out of three to in a series. Then you went to 
you went that road series to Arkansas to open things up. They were number three at the time, got swept there. That's understandable, uh, but the bats did not, you know, weren't really there. They scored five combined runs uh, for all three of those games. Then you came home, took two out of three from Georgia, which you thought, all right, we're getting things back going. Then you went on the road to Florida, who was number two at the time, and lost two out of three there. And you were like, all right, we took one one on the road. That's fine. What where We really started to get worried with this team was that Texas A&M series, you lost two out of three at home. And that Alabama series, you lost two out of three on the road. And we went into that Mississippi State series. And I, I think everybody on this show uh, – said this is a this is a pivotal win because at that point both teams were on the bubble for an NCAA tournament and we said whoever wins this is you know going to put themselves onto that into that bubble and put them into the NCAA tournament for now and Auburn was able to take two out of three from Mississippi State that weekend uh, and then that's when what started the 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 bowling ball effect of going down and it was they they started rattling off two out of three from South Carolina uh, two out of three from LSU, swept Ole Miss, and now here we are, uh, final weekend of the the regular season is to take on Missouri. Um, you know, you you know, you're going back to uh, Chase Alsup the Thursday uh, tonight to to start things off. He was uh, he was supposed to be a starter at the beginning of the year. I think he did get the start at uh, that that first weekend against Indiana, and then he got hurt. And they've been working him out of the bullpen now. And then Tommy Vales really solidified himself as that Friday starter. And they, you know, get him going Friday. Obviously, with Herbert Holtz out, that that's going to leave a hole there. They, we don't know who's going to be that that Saturday uh, starter this week. But this this Tigers team, you know, got to take two out of three from Missouri. Uh, it, it they're solid in, into the NCAA tournament. They're into the SEC tournament. But for 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 your sake, you got to take two out of three against Missouri this weekend. You'd really hope to sweep them, but. I think that if you can get if you can get solid pitching, and and I think last weekend did you a world of good where you went in and you you run ruled Ole Miss and you almost run ruled them, so you didn't have to use a lot of guys out of the bullpen and have to go keep going back to it. And then you had the whole week off uh, this week. You had that Jacksonville State game canceled. I think giving the bullpen quite a bit of rest this week really is going to going to help this team out going into this weekend, especially if you get into some trouble. Uh, one of these two, one of these uh, games against Missouri, but you know it, it's it it's just it, it's amazing what Butch Thompson has been able to do to turn this team uh, to turn this team around at least get them into the conversation of could they be a host team this year? It like like you guys have said and like we've talked about all week, still going to be you know hill, they're still part of the hill to climb to get to that host position. You got to at least sweep Missouri and then you know do some damage in that in, or in that SEC tournament, but you know getting themselves to that you know potentially a two seed somewhere. Uh, you, you've done a, a dang good job if, if, for this coaching staff, especially when we were looking at it and we were, we were just, you know, at, at the beginning of conference play to the middle of conference play, where we were worried game in and game out about that pitching staff. And it's just, it it is just, especially with Tommy Vale solidifying himself there, really, really helped things out. All right. So you talk seeding in the LA tournament. What other tournament seeds? The SEC tournament. Are you ready for this complicated mess? Yeah. Of of, uh, of how Hoover does this? I say Hoover does it. Like the city of Hoover is responsible for seeding the Southeastern Conference's baseball tournament. But all right. So right now, Auburn at 14 and 13 in the league. Okay. 
So let me give you all the standings. Arkansas is 19-8. They can't catch them. SL, uh, SLU? That's not a school. LSU is a school. No, SLU is a school, but not in the uh, SEC. Well, <laughs> correct. You got me. There we go. <laughs> LSU is 17-9. and So I, I, I suppose they had a game canceled along the way. So they can't drop the 13 losses. They're ahead of Auburn. That can't be. Auburn can't catch them. Auburn can't catch Florida. They're eighteen and nine. Vandy seventeen and ten. I would not think they'd catch them. Auburn have to sweep and Vandy get swept. That that's not likely to happen. Both of those things. South Carolina's fifteen and eleven. So that's a game and a half up Auburn. Kentucky's fifteen and twelve. That is a singular game up. And Tennessee has the same record. That's fourteen and thirteen. Auburn cannot be caught by the Mississippi's or by Missouri or by Georgia. So Auburn cannot fall below. 10. Now, if Auburn got swept and A&M did some sweeping this week, A&M's 12 and 15, Alabama's 13 and 14. Uh, I'm not familiar off the top of my head with who everyone has, but anyway. Alabama's got Ole Miss this weekend. I know that. That's that, not that's, good. That's one of the that's one of the series that Kevin Ives told us to um to watch out for this weekend if you're an Auburn fan. Let me hold on. I, I saw the I saw the tweet go out a little bit ago about games to watch this weekend. Let me see if I can find that while you keep going. So right now that puts Auburn as we stand today. Auburn is the seventh seed in the SEC tournament. Okay. They can realistically get to five. They could also realistically drop to nine i guess they they might not be seven i don't know how tennessee auburn tiebreaker shakes out i they, they didn't play i don't know how that works so they are tennessee and auburn have the same record and seventh place so one of them seven one of them's eight then bama's nine at 13 14 a&m unlikely but still involved there they're 10th at 12 15 so auburn can finish anywhere between fifth and 10th in the sec and they're right in the middle of that the reason that this is significant if Auburn got to that five seed, well, they're still on the first day. So they can't get the double. They can't get – what I'm saying is they can't get double elimination part of the tournament. They can't get the bye. Five through 12 all plays, single elimination. But the five is obviously a good seed because you're playing someone like Missouri or someone like Georgia uh, in that first game. I mean, you're playing the, the last team to make it in a Hoover. So the way the SEC tournament does it is that first day is all single elimination. You lose that game, you are out. But one through four get a bye, and then the four winners of Tuesday advance to a double elimination form of the remainder of the tournament. And that just gets so damn convoluted. I I don't know when to tell you what to tell you as far as when all. I mean, they have it bracketed out, but there's it would take so long to tell you all the all the. All, all the scenarios there. But long story short, it does not look like Auburn can get to four, which means Auburn really cannot get into that double elimination. They will have to play on Tuesday. They will have to play a single elimination game to earn the right to play at least two more. If they're the if they're in the 8-9, well, you can figure out it might be Auburn and Alabama in the 8-9 game. That is a very real possibility. If Auburn can stay ahead or win a tie break with Tennessee, they should feel good about being the 7 at that point. Then they play the 10. That could be Auburn-Texas A&M is who that could end up being. If Auburn had a great series against Missouri and a team or two fell off, Auburn could be the 6 or the 5, 
And if they're playing 11-12, they're probably playing Missouri or Georgia. Georgia are both 10-17 and 17 in the SEC coming into play. Mississippi State's got eight wins. State have to sweep. Missouri gets swept. Something like that uh, for, it not to be, for it not to be an all-Mississippi exclusion. Uh, from the from the NCAA tournament, what 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 are the matchups? Some of them so, this weekend. So this weekend, every game is remind everybody. Every game this weekend for the Southeastern Conference baseball schedule is a Thursday through Saturday series. So everything will be wrapped up Saturday nights. We'll know the seating of the NC of the SEC tournament by well Saturday afternoon, probably about you know six o'clock. The last games uh, start about four uh, or two o'clock after in the afternoon on Saturday. So obviously you got Missouri and Auburn for three this weekend. As I mentioned, Ole Miss visits Alabama for three this weekend. Texas A&M will visit Mississippi state for three. Let's see. That's a fa- That's I'll tell you, can I stop you yep, right there? You can stop me. That's kind of a disappointing from the standpoint of if Auburn loses any, because A&M and, and Bama are the two teams below them. And that's the the two easiest teams in the SEC they're playing. It's very likely, at bare minimum, mm. they win this series. They might have sweepable series. So that's again why if Auburn starts to drop a game or Lord forbid two against Missouri, they're gonna have to look out behind them too. Go ahead. Uh, Tennessee visits South Carolina. The only game okay. that will, the only series that will not start on Thursday because tonight's game's already been postponed due to weather. So they'll play Yikes. a doubleheader tomorrow. But Tennessee visits South Carolina. LSU is on the road at Georgia this weekend up in Athens. A very interesting series. Florida visiting Kentucky this weekend. And that means, and as you said, it wasn't likely for Vanderbilt mm-hmm. to get swept, but they're facing the number two Arkansas Razorbacks this weekend. Arkansas okay. visits Vandy on the weekend. So so Auburn fans need to root for Arkansas to sweep Vandy. Now, to be fair, the, Auburn's three games back. I don't know if Auburn and Vandy end up at 17-13 who has that tiebreaker. Yeah. I, and I don't know. And they if didn't a play each other know. this year, so right. it would have to go I, into common I opponents. do not know. So that's why it's not guaranteed, and I'm just kind of writing that one off because so much has to happen. It might not even be doable. Uh, the thing that seems significant there of everything you talked about is the Florida-Kentucky series. That's a clear rooting interest for Auburn. Florida can't be caught. They're 18 and 9. The worst they can do is 18 and 12. Best Auburn can do is 17 and 13. So Florida has no bearing on what Auburn's doing. But if Florida can sweep Kentucky, Kentucky's 15 and 12. Auburn's 14 and 13. Again, one more. I've said that eight times. So if Auburn does two games better than Kentucky this weekend, no matter how a tiebreaker shakes out, Auburn would be one game ahead. Now, obviously. I think a pretty likely outcome, Florida wins two out of three, uh, and, and Auburn wins two out of three, and Auburn makes up that one game. Again, unfortunately, and I, I, I wish we could have maybe – maybe Kevin wouldn't have known, I don't know, but figured out a way to get out who wins these tiebreakers because yeah. these are all teams Auburn didn't play. Auburn didn't play Kentucky, they didn't play Tennessee, they didn't play Vandy. They the, Literally the three teams we've talked about scenarios here for – are the three teams they did not play? And, <laughs> you played everyone else. And I tell you what, and the uh, you know you you look at tiebreaker scenarios. The two teams, or at least with Vandy, that I could think about um, that Auburn and Vandy share a common opponent would be Arkansas and Alabama. And we know if if we get into that situation, we would know that uh, Arkansas would have swept Vandy, which they did to Auburn, and then Auburn lost two out of three to Alabama. And then did, did Vandy lose two out of three to Alabama? Well, that gets com- – well – If you get to common opponent records. You, there's more common opponents than that, though, Brooks, because – But I'm just saying that's just the two that I can think of right off the bat. Right, which did not go well for Auburn, yeah. obviously. I mean, yeah, that, they would seem to be behind Vandy, but I, I don't ha- – 
someone wants to give me info on Auburn versus Kentucky tiebreaker, please do. Because <laughs> I, I don't know I don't know all that. So I get crazy with these kind of scenarios. They all play out, and it's never that wild, and it's never too dramatic, and I, I make it into a bigger deal than it is. But what I'm saying is Auburn's in a very tight place. And it's not fortunately, it's not a tight place on them making Hoover or not making Hoover. They're going to make it into Hoover. It is between about five or six and ten. That's that could all kind of flip flop in the final week, and Auburn's right in the middle of it. They are tied for seventh with Tennessee, and so that's why I care about the Kentucky series because they're sixth. Who'd you say Tennessee had? They're uh, at South Carolina this weekend. That's a tough one too. So, so if South Carolina can win two out of three and Auburn win two out of three, then Auburn is definitely at least seven. And then if Kentucky loses two games to Florida and Auburn wins two out of three, they at least tie Kentucky. Brant's viciously confused. Yeah, y'all uh, know that y'all know that part in the hangover where Zach Galifianakis is trying to count cards and he's yeah. got the this the numbers and symbols flying by his head. Right. That's me right now. <laughs> well we well we will have piece of the puzzle answer tonight. Everyone will play some SEC baseball except for except Tennessee, for Tennessee South, South Carolina. Yep. Everyone will start play some SEC baseball, weather permitting, and w- maybe some of these scenarios are to get quelled by the time we talk to you again tomorrow. But there's a lot of scenarios for Auburn baseball. Simply put, Auburn wins some baseball games, and, and they'll be in a pretty good position coming through. They'll be in this. Um, they'll be in the single elimination format on on Tuesday. They'll have to they'll have to win to advance to the double elimination on Wednesday. But Auburn's going to Hoover. Auburn's between 5 and 10, and we'll see how it all plays out this weekend. We're going to take our first time out of our number two, brain, uh, Brains. <laughs> Brant's brains. brains can cool off a little bit after uh, all that math. The steam's rising. You can <laughs> smell it. Right. Zombies. Cool off after that. And we'll, we will have some recruiting news for you. Got I got a basketball recruit to talk a little bit about, and we want to talk a little bit about some visits lined up with some Central Phoenix City players in football. We'll come back with all of that next on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Brooks Childress here this afternoon. Talking all things Auburn, all things sports world. Coming up in hour number three, a sports call more likely to happen. We'll have a few topics from both college and professional ranks. Go a little bit of everywhere. Might even have a situation where 
Like I, I give one person one topic and one person another topic. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Can my topic be Phil Mickelson just planting a ball into the the right into the uh, in front of the the hole? Sports call more likely to happen. Brooks does live golf get to finish their broadcast on the TV network <laughs> that paid money to get their broadcast rights, or do they air reruns instead? Uh, that, that actually happened last week. We were talking about that before the show, but my favorite part of that is that it came out that Live Golf was no longer going to be releasing their viewership ratings. Yeah, that's when you know you're down bad. Yep, down very, very bad. Nothing to be proud of with their ratings is what they're uh, what they're saying there. Justin Rose almost hit that. Uh, so Brooks watching some PGA Championship closely. Uh, it is on the TV here in the studio. But it is. before we went to break, teased you about a couple of Auburn recruiting nuggets. Going to talk about them very briefly here. We, we'll start with basketball since we opened the show with it. And there's been this player that uh, Auburn has started to recruit here. Again, we've been pretty hypersensitive to guys that have been recruiting. And maybe that's made it look like they've even missed more guys than they have. Uh, but Chad Baker Mazzara. And this is someone that Steve brought up. And I bring him up here just to give some more numbers to what we're talking about because now Kentucky's gotten in on him. So if you were wondering about the notoriety here or questioning if this was a big deal, uh, yeah, if Kentucky basketball is recruiting him, that's the equivalent of Alabama or Georgia football recruiting them. So, uh, yeah, uh, the offer sheet scouting seems sound here. So – this kid's six seven. He's a pretty big kid coming out of San Diego State. He went the JUCO route this past year. Now JUCO, something maybe ten years ago, we talked a lot about, or would have talked more about in terms of relevancy to teams needing to add one or two more pieces. So this six seven kid at his JUCO last year, fifteen points a game, three and a half rebounds, two assists. Great. Here's what makes me obsessive: hundred and fifty three point attempts. Made forty seven percent of them, That's and pretty, at, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, it, I thought you were going to say he made forty seven of one hundred and fifty, which is under thirty three percent. Yeah, which is not which is not terrible, but Ryan, it's how, not great either. Is, but is your math okay? Yeah, yeah, forty seven percent. And so, uh, wow. in right, his yeah. time in D one at San Diego State and Duquesne, he shot forty point five percent from three. So there's reason to believe this kid's going to shoot 40% plus from three, period. I want that. And he's 6'7". <laughs> Again, did I mention? So uh, we've talked about what Auburn needs, and I've talked about I would like someone with some length. I've never declined a good shooter, I think, in my entire life, nor will I ever. He's 6'7 and shoots 40% from three. Sound good to you guys? Sounds good to me. Sounds great. So that is Chad Baker Mazar. We'll keep you up to date on that. Uh, that is someone that Auburn has um, has clearly started recruiting in the basketball ranks. And then football wise, let's go there now. And guys, we saw earlier today Jeffrey Lee report that five-star wide receiver Cam Coleman and his teammates Red Morgan, Dalen Upshaw, and Mal Waldrop are visiting Auburn. Today, each has an offer from Auburn. Now, these guys kind of vary in their notoriety. Cam Coleman is clearly the biggest prize here. He is a five-star guy. He's a big-time wide receiver. I've kind of sorted through the other guys' profiles. Some of these other guys, they're all kind of three stars depending on your on the service you look at. Some of them don't rank them. Uh, on three has them all as at least the three-star guy. 247 didn't rank 
I believe it was Upshaw and and one other player here. So, I mean, this is a a significant haul. It's clear there's a clear headliner here. Uh, but when you guys hear of four kids on one visit from one school, I mean, just uh, what comes to mind for you? Well, these kids are all from Central, right? Yes. They're, so yeah, yes. very close to the area. It. it it makes me go, dang, Central has a lot of really good players, uh, <laughs> which, which, which they do, which they do. I went and watched them play this past year when I was calling for Smiths. They're pretty dang good. Um, yeah, Cam Coleman's really, really good. He's a really good receiver, um, and obviously all those other kids. He's Like you said, he's the biggest prize, but it, it cannot hurt getting a kid's high school teammates in. you know. It, it, and I think we, if you get one of them, you're more likely to get the rest of them. So you may be just going, hey – we get a major contributor in Cam Coleman, and we have a couple of other guys between the three of them. One of them's bound to contribute in some way. So you're using four scholarships for one really good player and one guy who's going to contribute. Maybe you get lucky and they're all playing at some point. So I, I, I think that that means, yeah, if you can go get all of them and you are guaranteed to get all of them, go get all of them. Before I turn it to Brooks, these other kids, okay, they're three-star guys. One or two of them might end up with some offers that, again, are on the same level as Auburn. One or two of them might not. We'll still see here. Right. Um, in general, I mean, what are your thoughts on if it is I, – I have no idea if it is. I just I, – I don't hear of this kind of thing happening too often. Um, if it is a package deal, are you okay with taking a couple of guys that you normally would not recruit to land the big fish – or do you say, no, I'm only taking guys that I feel like we would recruit no matter what, and we can honor maybe part of the package deal, but we're not just taking anyone to take anyone just because you're a big deal? Right. I don't think you want to make a habit of it. I think it depends on how big the big fish is and how big the smaller fish are. You've got to think that these guys are going to be able to contribute at some level. They are going to be worthy of one of your scholarship spots because you only have a limited amount. So you're not going and getting guys that are just they're going to be on your practice squad. You know, you're not going you're not going to get those guys and let them take up a scholarship spot. You're saying, "Okay, all of these guys have a chance to develop into a guy that two or three years down the road can be regular rotational players for us and maybe evolve into a starter." Uh, so you're you're not going to go out and just hand scholarships to guys that are never going to contribute. But I, it reminds me a couple of years ago, it was 2019. Derek Brown was projected as a first-round draft pick, and he was everybody in the world, myself included, thought it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to go to the NFL because he was a first-round guy. He was going to get picked in the first 32. And Auburn offered his younger brother, Cam Brown, Cam Brown, who was a linebacker. <clears throat> Cam was a three-star guy, I think. And Cam committed to Auburn, and you know, it basically was saying, hey, we're using a scholarship on Cam Brown, a guy who was a three-star player, who may or may not ever play. He actually just entered the transfer portal. He never did seriously play for Auburn. But we're going to use that to get Derek Brown back for one more year. And Derek Brown came back for another year, ended up being the number five pick in the draft that next season. So, uh, and, and I think that if you can get something like that, then, yeah, it's worth it. Because, again, I, I've said it before, I think that 2019 defense is the best I've ever seen live. That team, uh, that 2019 defense was incredible. I also think it's a good thing if you're trying to if, if you're doing like uh, what uh, what I think that um, Hugh Freeze is is doing and, and is trying to rebuild the the high school relationships in the local area. 
I mean, you, you've seen Central Phoenix City has been a, a hotbed for top talent for the past, you know, several years. You've seen Georgia come down and pick pick some kids. You've seen Clemson. Clemson has made a habit of coming down and grabbing kids out of uh, Central Phoenix City and, and taking them you know out of the area. Uh, and, and so... When when you're looking at what is what's been done, you know the the last few years, and you know from what you hear around the you know local high school coaching uh, world about the previous regime at Auburn, about there wasn't as big of an emphasis put on those those relationships, especially you know in the state of Alabama. If you're Hugh Freeze, you're trying to rebuild those those uh, you're trying to rebuild those those uh, relationships. You're trying to rebuild those pipelines. You're seeing you know I, we we are. Uh, affiliated with Beauregard High School. I've seen twice in the last month the uh, Beauregard's recruiting account tweet out that Auburn has visited them. I, you know, they 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 are rebuilding the 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 relationships around here and so I think that this is a it's a it helps you if you can go down and say, you know, it, you're not going to take every, you know, you're obviously not going to, you know, make one high school your farm school and just take every kid that comes out of that high school uh, no matter what their rating is to your football program. But if you can go down to, you know, say Central Phoenix and you can get all four of these guys and you can build that trust back. And then you, when, once you start getting, you know, getting those battles with the five, four stars and five stars that come out of this particular high school, they're going to say, hey, they took our guys here, you know, a couple years ago. They they're, you know, they're they're they know they know us, they know what our program's about. They're they're loyal to us. Let's get you know, let me go and play for them. And you then you don't lose those recruiting battles, some of those top players to a Georgia, to a Clemson, to an Alabama. If if they're, you know, if you do I don't think you should do these the package deals all the time. But if you know right now you're trying to rebuild the, the the local high school relationships and the state of Alabama high school relationships, I think that you know you you do not anything, but you do a lot of a lot of stuff to help rebuild those relationships. And this could be this is probably one of them. Well, and I think too it goes into being honest here. And look, they have given scholarship offers to all these kids already, so clearly they're on some level willing to bring them in. But I think that if you're talking to the lesser of, of the four guys, whoever that might be, then you're having honest conversations like, yeah, we're, we're offering you scholarship and we're going to give you every opportunity to compete. But the likelihood is it's going to take you a while to ever see the field here, if ever. Um, this is a big program and we don't just, you know, we're, we're giving you an opportunity. We clearly see something in you, but we're not guaranteeing you it's going to ultimately end in, in you starting for us one day. Um, and I think that message would be similar in other places unless they're just lying through their teeth because if a three-star may or may not end up playing in Auburn, that situation is not going to be better off for them at Georgia or Bama or Florida or some other big school that's recruiting them. It's going to be the same message. It's going to be the same idea that, yeah, this, this three-star guy that may or may not work out in big-time college football, he ain't guaranteed to go play at Georgia. It's not going to be guaranteed to go play at Clemson, you know. And you also—that's a part of self-awareness. If you going to have tremendous belief in yourself, but also going to be knowing that that is going to be the case, you are going to be one of the lowest-rated players in their respective classes to sign on to these teams, and so you've got work to do. And so it is still meaningful that these scholarships have been offered because I think 
message-wise, there's not going to be a different message amongst these other big schools. And so if it's Cam Coleman leading the charge on where to go here, and these, again, I might be making too much of it. There might be, none of these guys might be a package deal. It's just, again, interesting to me that they're all coming on the same day and they're from the same school. But, you know, it's still going to be Cam Coleman that's going to have the kind of unparalleled impact here on where he wants to go and the 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 high profile that he is where uh, these other guys are going to be nice but obviously Coleman is the one that um, everyone's kind of revolving around and and we'll see if there's any pull from these other guys if Coleman wants to play with them or if, if this is just merely coincidental and, and he has a good not care either way whether he plays with them. But uh, four kids from Central Phoenix City visiting Auburn today, including the five-star wide receiver Cam Coleman and those other teammates of his at Central. Red Morgan, Dalen Upshaw, and Mal Waldrop, I believe. I saw Morgan is a safety. Uh, Dalen Upshaw uh, is another wide receiver, a three-star wide receiver. And then you had uh, Mal Waldrop, who is a 6'4", 280 offensive tackle. So those guys on the Plains today visiting Auburn. Auburn feels really good about the gains they have made with Cam Coleman, and we'll see if those continue. We're going to take our next timeout of the show. One final segment in hour number two right after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brent Dontry with you here live from our studios on South College Street. Just a few minutes left here in hour number two. In hour number three, we will have a sports call more likely to happen. Various topics in the sports world. Brooks, I did not get to hear from you on this just real quickly. I talked with Brent a little bit at the end of yesterday's show about the, the draft lottery from the yeah. other night. Again, talking more about draft lottery than the actual basketball. Someone should should be mad at me for that. But you know, there was there's so much hoopla about Wimbenyana, and yeah. when the Spurs won the lottery, they the, the I don't it was not the GM, but it was like assistant GM or something. He just like let out a scream of joy. I mean, it was like it's I, I don't know. It's like it's like a kid that opened up the the one gift he wanted on Christmas. Yeah. I, the expectations of this kid are just going to be astronomical. Yeah. And I think I saw, 
I don't know if it was Bobby Marks or an actual current GM, one of the two. Bobby Marks was a GM in the NBA for a long time. He was the one that made the awful Nets trade where they got uh, aging Pierce and Garnett and gave Boston like 82 draft picks for it, and Brooklyn did nothing with it. Then they had to fire Bobby Marks. Um, it was either him or a current GM said that if Wimbignana is only, only – like the caliber of Anthony Davis, he will be a disappointment. And I talked about this with Brant yesterday. I said there are going to be people that if he's like a six or seven time All Star, they're going to be disappointed in him. And I've not seen expectations like that since LeBron. Yeah. Um, and I just, I'm uncomfortable with. You expecting someone not only to be a Hall of Famer, but to be an all-time great, to be, I don't know, if you're better than Anthony Davis, they're expecting that kid to be a top 10 or 20 player all time. That's right. And I don't know if I'm ever willing to just expect that out of someone I've never seen play in the league before. Now, maybe if he goes, plays as a rookie in the Spurs, scores 24 points a game with nine rebounds and six assists as a rookie and shoots 45% from three. All right. You know, may, okay, I could see it in there. But we're judging this kid off of playing in this the overseas league where he shot like 47% from the floor and he's 7'5", so he's done a bunch of cool giraffe things. But, <laughs> but like, I don't know. Where do you stand on the hype with Wimbignana? And, again, we're talking about it here, but is – are you worried he's not going to live up to expectations? What, what's the what's the thing that you uh, of this whole deal that, that strikes you? I mean, I, I think that you you're, you're always worried about that on some level. That you know, I'm sure there were people when LeBron came out that were worried that he wasn't going to live up to the 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 expectations when when Bryce uh, Bryce Harper was coming into the uh, into the Major League Baseball draft. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and I'm sure there was, you know, there's people that said, you know, maybe he's not going to live up to expectations. They called him the LeBron James of baseball, didn't yeah. they? Isn't that what that SI cover said? Pro- I, uh, it sounds like, I mean, wasn't he sitting on a throne or something? I, LeBron uh, did that. LeBron was on a throne on his Sports Illustrated cover in high school. I do remember vaguely the co- I mean, I remember he was on the cover. I don't remember the particulars. Though. Um, but I, I think there's always that worry. I think there, there's always that worry that you are going to be – you know, it, you're not going to live up to that hype, but I, I, you know, it feels like you know you the, his skill set. It feels like even if you you don't live up to that hype, the what what you don't meet those expectations, you're still going to be a dang good basketball player. Um, it feels like at seven five, there will be use for him. Something. Yeah. Now that's not going to make the spur. <laughs> that's not going to make the you're spur feel be better. You know, if he ends up just being like a useful player yeah. in three or four years, then they're not going to feel good about that. But he's also going into the situation where they got David Robinson and Tim Duncan and their other number one pick. Yeah. And obviously they were great prospects. They turned into incredible pros and they helped build a Spurs dynasty from the late 90s to, I don't know, about 2014, 2015, somewhere in there, right before Golden State took over. But, um, I, I just I, I'm uncomfortable with the whole thing because there's just like no room for him to be good. He, he's gonna have to be elite mm. from like year one and a half in, and if he's not, they're gonna call him a bust. Even though he might be a several time All Star, yeah, that might end up being the eighth best player in the league, 
and they're going to call him a bust for that. And I'm, I still don't know if that would be fair because I understand a number one overall pick is supposed to be a huge deal, and I get that, and his expectations are high. But if you get an all-star player, I just I think there's a re, there's a certain level where you're just not a bust if you're blank. Yeah. And I think if you're an, a multi-time all-star player, I just don't think you're a bust, no matter the hype. No matter the pick number. So it's going to be interesting to see. There's other things we'll talk about with the draft. We did talk about the Janai Broom angle. As we get closer to the NBA draft, we'll have more, plenty more conversations about what other teams will do, our favorite teams, what they need to do in the offseason, all that good stuff. But we are out of time for hour number two. When we come back in hour number three, we will have sports calls more likely to happen. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call right here on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this afternoon. A lot of fun so far in the show. Hit just about everything Auburn related. We've talked uh, Auburn football and basketball portal a little bit. We've talked Auburn baseball, their series against Missouri night, trying to fend off some dark clouds. Um, lightning, not ideal in this situation. Really, in most situations, I, yeah. I, I don't know the, the situation where lightning's a good thing, to be, uh, to be fair. Uh, so trying to see, make sure uh, you get baseball in tonight. Brooks, you mentioned what was it, the Tennessee-South Carolina series that's already... Yeah, they've already postponed, postponed that to today. a doubleheader tomorrow due to weather. So, Auburn gotten word that they are in a, in lightning delay at Plansman Park during pregame stuff right now. I've I've uh, I've got the lightning tracker up on my computer. <laughs> and you're going to go to that game, that's I'm, right. I'm watching the bolts come down and they're, they were hitting, I'll tell you what, folks, they were hitting just outside of what I've deemed as the eight-mile circle i can't put it on this this computer of uh, the circle it but they were just outside but we, you just had one that hit right inside that that, that is within that eight miles so so hopefully, back to a 30 minute countdown for pregame stuff at least hopefully they will play baseball tonight over at plainsman park i think the sec is going to try everything they can to get everything done by the conclusion of saturday yeah. because they don't want that quick turnaround time uh given how stressful the week already is i mean if you if you play Tuesday, you're guaranteed, and you win, you're guaranteed at least three because you're, you're going to have to have double elimination from that point on. But you could play five, six games throughout the course of the week. So they're trying to give you a few an extra day there, uh, and that's why it's all Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, and it's that way in, in other conferences as well. But as we've teased throughout the show, it is the 5 o'clock hour. It's time for a little game. We 
enjoy to have different segments. We're about to start debuting new games and new segments in the coming weeks and months. But here's one of the games that we've had before. It's Sports Calls More Likely to Happen. Do you have all these wild questions swirling around in your head? Well, we've got the answers to them. Sports Calls More Likely to Happen. Sports Calls More Likely to Happen. We'll give you a scenario or a topic. We'll give you two sides of that equation, and we will all pick which side we believe is more likely to happen. Some of these are very practical. Some of these can be a little bit wild. Some of these can can, can be too, the, 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 the ceiling and floor conundrum that we've talked about before. <laughs> Sometimes say, is it more likely they win 11 games or only win three and, and, and all that? So some of these are more two, between two realistic outcomes to – sometimes make you pick one that's that's unrealistic but we'll start with auburn football we'll start with the quarterback position with peyton thorn is it more likely that peyton thorn becomes an all sec first team quarterback this year or he does not finish the season as the starting quarterback which one's more likely to happen oh that's a heck of a question Oh, first things first, I'd have to think about the other quarterbacks that are in the SEC. Um, Brooks is already kind of mad at me. He looked at me smirkly yeah, like, you, yeah, you slide Because you're going to make me go down the hole that's gonna, that's not the positive one for Auburn. I, well, here's, you think about it. Well, here's, well actually, I, Brooks, I'm going to do the same thing, and I'll tell you why. All right. I think – I can't remember the kid at LSU. Uh, uh, oh, my goodness. From Jane Arizona Daniels. State. Yeah. Jane, Jane, Jane Daniels. Daniels, yeah. I think right now you have to pencil him in as the best quarterback in the SEC. He, he won the SEC West last year and is coming back. Not a lot has changed for LSU. They, they expect to compete for the SEC West again. So I think it is more likely that he wins it than Peyton Thorne wins it. And the other reason is you have a known commodity behind Peyton Thorne. You know that Robbie Ashford can be a contributing quarterback. Probably not going to win an SEC title with him, but you're, you know how good Robbie Ashford is. So if Peyton Thorne is not living up to those expectations, Robbie Ashford's going to be looking over his shoulder. So I think it is more likely that Robbie Ashford finishes the season as the starter rather than Peyton Thorne finishes as first-team All-SEC. Would the answer change if I said second-team All-SEC? I'd have to look at quick. I'd have, I'd have to find. I'd have to find more quarterbacks. Yeah, go ahead. So Alabama, Georgia, Florida, all going through new quarterbacks. Tennessee yes. going through new quarterback. Mm-hmm. Going to probably be Milton, unless I'm forgetting something that's going on at Tennessee. Ole Miss could have Jackson Dart again. They could also go Spencer Sanders this year. Uh, South Carolina, off the top of my head, and Levis is out at Kentucky. I don't even remember what's going on at Missouri. Good. good Who cares? Uh, it's that kid. He played last year as a young Spencer guy. Rattler. No, at Missouri. <laughs> oh, at Missouri. Oh. Um, uh, Auburn played Missouri last year. Yeah, I can't remember yeah, who their quarterback that was. That kid was a freshman or a sophomore. I think he's back. But what Brooks just said it, off the top of my head of all these schools, probably number two going into the year is Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I think whoever starts at Ole Miss, honestly. Yeah, Dart or yeah. Sanders. Dart or Sanders. It, is it uh, Jake Garcia? No, I don't think so. Wasn't Jake Garcia their starter in 2010? No, that was um, that was Stephen Garcia, Stephen Garcia, Garcia. South Carolina. Okay, the the depth chart that I have found that uh, has lists three quarterbacks on: Jake Garcia, Sam Horn, and uh, Jabari Gabari Johnson. You know, it's it's possible that uh, oh no, Brady Cook. Yeah, Brady Cook. What happened to Brady Cook? Is he still at Missouri? So I, I think care? I think if you say second or third team, I'd say 
Thorne can overcome those guys. Yes. But I, I think it's – I still think it's more likely that uh, that Robbie takes over as the starter at some point, but I certainly think it is more possible than first-team All-SEC. Yeah, he's still at Missouri. Yeah, Brady Cook's still at Missouri. I wasn't on that depth chart, That's though. who the quarterback was last year. But, yes, I still think Rattler and the Ole Miss situation would be better. But – I mean, again, as you just heard, not many returning guys. I mean, right. Cook is one of uh, four or five returning quarterbacks in the in the league next year. And he didn't exactly blow anybody away no. last year. No. Um, so what do you think, Brooks? More likely to happen? Or? I just pulled up from Sports Illustrated, SI.com, the 2023-24 Heisman Trophy odds. Because <laughs> I, uh, I was trying to think about quarterbacks in the SEC. There are one, two, three four SEC quarterbacks that are currently listed in... Um, How long do those odds go? Sure, I mean, because I, I understand Alabama exists, but yeah. they, they've not exactly had a uh, thriving quarterback situation in the spring. That's why they went and got Buckner from uh, from Notre Dame. Is Buckner on the list? There are 21 players on the list. And, and again, Milton can run... The the Al- Milrow, excuse me, can run like the Dickens, but he he was not a great passer. Last there's year. an Alabama quarterback on this list at twenty two hundred uh, plus twenty two hundred to, to win the Heisman Trophy. That's Ty Simpson, and and I the one I didn't even name is on there. That's great. I don't even do, okay. The, right. the the top quarterback is Brock Vandegrift from Georgia at thir- plus thirteen hundred to win it. Uh, then Jaden Daniels at plus seventeen hundred. Joe Milton at Tennessee plus Vandergriff's ahead of Daniels. Yep. Yeah, on that's the interesting. Odds? I, I I know Vandergriff's yep. such a yep. he's such a highly rated guy, and they expect him to be really good. But and just again to, again to be ahead of a proven commodity like no, Jaden Daniels. This is yeah. this is from uh-huh. SI.com, So this isn't like I'm pulling this from some you know Bob Sports website or anything. <laughs> this is Sports Illustrated. <laughs> Bob Sports not. It's not dogsontop.com. This is not even like a, a anti-Vandegrift thing. This is like Jane Daniels was he was really legitimately good. good last he year. He won the SEC West last year So under I, a first-year head with, coach. With that being said, with those guys. Was Arch Manning on there? Arch Manning is not on there. The, the, <laughs> there is a Texas quarterback. Yeah, Quinn is it Quinn? Ewers. Quinn yeah. Ewers yeah. is one, two, three, four, fifth, sixth on the list. Yeah, and he's good. And I'm. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole again, but please continue. Anyway, but with with four guys, four quarterbacks listed on that on the Heisman Trophy odds, that none of their names are an Auburn quarterback, and I know this is probably you know the, this list maybe may have come out before the the um, Thorn transfer the Thor Thorn transfer, but I still don't think you know he'd be registered on the Heisman Trophy odds at right now. Yeah, this is from January, um, so this was prior to spring ball. But still, you you've got four four uh, schools that had potential for a Heisman Trophy quarterback, and you didn't even know who was going to be a starter at some of those. I would say it's more likely that Thorne is a is a, is, uh, replaced, is replaced by yeah. Robbie Ashford than or another quarterback. First, yeah. Um. Then he makes first team quarterback. I agree with you, and that's why I put the qualifier after Brant went there on second team because I think second team is where you start to have the discussion there, where it is uh, uh, there is a pathway to potentially being the second best quarterback in the league. Yeah. However, if you, if you get twenty twenty one Peyton Thorn, then yeah, absolutely. Right. If you get twenty two Peyton Thorn, then, then that's more middle yeah, of the pack, and, yeah. and then you start to worry about turnovers right. and, 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 and a lot of it is how the team forms around sure them. i mean thorn could play very average football but if miraculously the rest of the team is the best versions of themselves and they're six and two then there's not going to be a replacement yeah. you, there. you so. get you get mid-2000s alabama <laughs> or, or, or early 10s alabama yeah. i guess uh so there we go we're, we're going with more likely that he gets replaced but again 
those are kind of the wild side of both scenarios, and and that's why we did it. Uh, one quick, one. I, more I thing just wanted me. to wanted to give an update to, for folks that may be in the car headed to the the baseball game tonight. Before we move on, uh, we we just got confirmation that the game will be start under a weather delay, so they will not start right at six o'clock tonight. Uh, and hopefully they'll be able to get a baseball game in tonight. Should have done that one first. Should have been a more likely to happen. We start on time or we don't start on time <laughs> yeah. over at Plainsman Park. I, I dropped the ball on that one. Let's move to basketball. We're playing uh, sports calls more likely to happen. We'll have one Auburn basketball take break. We'll come back with some other stuff in the sports world. So Auburn basketball. We're going to go preseason ranking here and kind of, again, because we don't know – this could kind of influence what you guys think are about to happen in the portal and with Janai and all that thing. More likely that Auburn is in the preseason top 15 or they are not ranked in the preseason. Oh, man. We spent the first hour or so of this show talking about how Auburn basketball is not done in the portal yet. And I think that's going to have a big, big bearing on it. But for the sake of this argument, I'm not going to say I abstain. So let's just say, well... Also, for the sake of the game, you can't abstain. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> so I, I think, uh, oh man, I, we're very late in the portal process. Most of the best players have already committed to where they're going to end up being. So I'm going to say it is more likely they start unranked, not because they aren't going to be good next year, but because I'm wondering how good are the players they're going to bring in if they don't get Tyron Lawrence. And we and we learned during the break. Julian Phillips has signed with an agency, so he's not going to be coming. Um, so it, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on with basketball, and I mean, we've we spent. I, I don't want to rehash it because we spent like an hour talking about it, but it's just not great in the world of basketball recruiting right now. And you're going to have to pull something out. What was the question again? Uh, more Did likely I answer to happen. The question? Brooks Childress pays attention, <laughs> or his mic gets turned off. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that I think we know which one that's going to um, be. <laughs> More likely that Auburn is in the pre in basketball yep. preseason top fifteen mm-hmm. or not ranked. I think not ranked, and it's you, you saw how they trended last year. You started off, uh, you know, pretty highly ranked, and they trended down. And there was some weeks that you were you were hoping, you know, they, they'd lose a game midweek, and then you you were you know uh, Auburn fans are sitting there like you got to win this game, you got to stay ranked, got to stay ranked. Um, I, I do, you know, when you look at how last year finished, and I know nothing, you know, not necessarily everything last year plays into the next year's uh, poll, but you did win a game in the NCAA tournament against a, a, a pretty decent Iowa team. Uh, but I, I don't think that would be enough to set them up to a point where the voters are, are saying, oh, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I think you look at how the roster would be constructed, unless you get some, you know, you go back and you still get into the portal and you get some, you know, some guys that are going to make an immediate impact and, and that the voters are confident they're going to make an any immediate impact. I don't think you start them in the top 25. I think there's, there's too many good Big 12 teams. There's too many uh, good sec teams there's too many good uh acc and big 10 teams out there that you 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 know voters would look at and say they've got their act together they you know they're they're doing some good things and like i said this 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 feels like uh, that that 2020 2021 auburn basketball team where you had some good pieces but nothing could ever fit together properly and so i think it's more likely that they don't they're not ranked at the start of the year well uh making for bad radio well I was going to say which plays into Bruce, what Bruce Pearl loves to do and play play as an underdog sure. and get you know that that would you know help drive the drive him up. Well, sticking with the theme of bad radio, we all agree again. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, 
so look, my my realistic outcome, I think, and again, this is why I put the number of 15. I think Janai Broom will still come back. I think Auburn will add one more quality portal, portal player, and I think they'll start like 21st or 22nd. And that's why I wanted to be intentional about picking the spot in which you start to get uncomfortable because I think that if they bring Broom back and they bring in another starting caliber player, then the equation has changed immensely. But right now there's this doubt where Broom is maybe playing himself into the NBA draft conversation, therefore playing himself into the conversation of, of, of leaving. And then you've got to talk about Auburn has, for the most part, whiffed the last few weeks in the portal that they have gone after some big guys that would have felt really good about if you got them, but they haven't gotten them recently. And so there are players short with, with Broom right now. There could be two players short, clearly, uh, without Broom. And so, for those reasons, it's more likely they do start unranked than in the top 15. Their pathway to starting in the top 15 is probably not there anymore. If they brought Broom back, if they got Lawrence from Vandy, and they got uh, Mazzara, the the 6'7 wing from San Diego State and the Juco, if they got all three of those things, they might be... 15-ish, 15 to 20 at that point. Um, But I think voters will look at the point guard situation as uncertain, even though I think we feel pretty good about it, uh, that one of those two guys is going to hit. I think voters will say, well, you lost all second-team SEC guy, and you've got new blood in there, so that's not necessarily an upgrade. And then I think people will see, oh, you lost a three-year starter in Flanagan. That's not a good thing and so i think voters will keep them out but i still think there's a pathway to a pretty damn good team and a team that will be clearly ranked in the preseason but they gotta have broom come back and they do have to land a portal guy or two we're gonna take our next time out of the show we'll kind of open up to some more general sports topics right after this we're playing sports calls more likely to happen stay tuned more of that right after this please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 i'm trevon reed former auburn tiger football player national champion you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Very, sorry, different mic. Brooks moved in the in the studio. I just threw him under the bus. Hello, Brooks. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I was just going to do the Man Max homework. I'm in the same spot. Three over. Man. You see, these are kind of cool tones, but I'm also imagining someone listening to us in downtown Auburn where it's just pouring. And as smooth as this music is, that's not the weather situation yeah. <laughs> down there near campus. So uh, weather delay, as Brooks mentioned in the last segment for Auburn baseball, again, we knew some thunderstorms would be out there today. Hopefully they do not completely cancel the play tonight. For folks that aren't going to the game or are planning on listening to the game on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9, they are still going on the air, 545 with the pregame show, and then they will go into some bonus coverage of some uh, of a throwback game if, if they don't get, if uh, when we when the game does not start at six o'clock absolutely all right let's remind you what we're doing right now do you have all these wild questions swirling around in your head i sure do well, we've got the answers to them sports calls more likely to happen that was new to the bumper yeah, yeah, note to self turn the mics off during that, that <laughs> turn brant's so. mic off yeah. yeah yeah go ahead and do that uh so we just had a couple auburn topics for you we're going to get into the wide world of sports as a whole now we'll start braves and then i'm going to go i'm going to give one that's brooks specific oh. because it's going to be something that uh brant is not going to have a strong opinion on and that might yeah I might change it up uh but uh we'll start with braves here and uh, I was going to do a win total, but that felt like a little too basic, and I like to be a little less basic. So going to give you a creative one. More likely to happen, Michael Soroka returns and gets a victory for the Atlanta Braves this year. Or, both <laughs> of you guys are, are very intently listening. Or... Max Freed does not end up pitching again for the Braves this year. What's more likely to happen? I have my answer. Do you want to take this one first? I'll I feel like first. I took the other ones first. I'll go first. What's more likely to happen? I would say Soroka returns and wins a game for the for the Braves than than it is that Max Freed because you know when when he when Max when Max went down, I think a lot of the reports were that this is an injury that kind of leads you toward. Uh, a season-ending surgery. Now we don't know if that's you know how how far it's going to progress. We, we got to wait and see if and when he comes. You know if he's able to come back. What the next update is as we get closer and closer to what his his return time it would currently be. But I would have faith that Mike Soroka could come back. And even if he didn't pitch well, I think you've got the bats in this lineup that could out hit. Uh, could 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 help out hit the other win team. Win a seven to five game. Yeah, win a seven to five game, and Soroka could get them get them just to the point where he would he would register for the win, and the the Bra- the Braves bats could carry them. So I, I think that it's more likely that Soroka could get a win, come back and get a win. I'm going to say the same thing. I think Soroka coming back is closer than a lot of people realize, and part of it is because of the pitching rotation injuries, uh, but also look at what he's done in Gwinnett this year. He's had a couple of spot starts that have not gone well, but a lot of his stuff has been really good. I, his last start, I think it was two days ago, he went four and two-thirds, gave up one run, uh, struck out five or six, I think, and and had a I th- had a relatively low pitch count. So they're, not, they're trying not to run his pitch count up. And also when you're a pitcher who has established yourself in the majors the way Soroka has, you can take some minor league starts just to work on stuff, just to work on specific pitches 
So those games where he's given up nine runs in four innings could just be, hey, his changeup felt a little bit weird. He wants to work on his changeup, so he just threw changeups. It could it, seriously, it could be something like that. I'm not saying it is, I'm saying could be. Um, but uh, for for right now, the uh, I I think that Max Free. Let's now let's turn it over to Max Freed. Sorry, I got a little distracted there. Uh, let's That's turn it over. Let, <laughs> let's turn it over to Max Freed. Um, he has a sore forearm. That's not a season-ending injury. It can lead to a season-ending injury. Injury could also just be a sore forearm. So I'm not panicking about that until I have another. Until I have a bigger reason to panic, and it's not just a possibility. So I I think that Freed will be back at some point this season. Maybe that's optimistic, but I also think that Mike Soroka can come back, and I think he is a good enough pitcher, uh, and also, like Brooks touched on, the Braves lineup is insane from top to bottom, so I think they can give him the run support he needs. So now that you guys both agree, let me try and and get you to not agree somehow. Go for it. Uh, So if I changed it because it was originally Michael Soroka – Getting coming back to, to pitch for the Braves and getting a win versus I like Max. you using his legal name. Uh, well, that's what he's going by now. I, Is I, it really? Yeah, no, I didn't he know. wants to be called Michael Soroka. All, right. All the beat writers are tweeting Michael Soroka. He wants to be called. Okay. Um, and so with uh, with him getting a win versus I, I originally said Max Freed not being able to pitch again this year. So if I change that part of it. What's more likely to happen between Michael Soroka getting a win for the Atlanta Braves this year versus Max Fried returning to pitch? Returning to pitch. Okay. Like ever? This year. This year? No, this, this, wow. I said returning versus not returning. That's an interesting question. Because returning is, because... I guess, more likely than not returning this year. So then... I, I'll, I'll take this one first, I think. Yeah. I I think it is more likely that Mike Soroka returns to the majors than Max Freed returns. This year? Yeah. Okay. Because Mike Soroka is pitching right now, and that's the only reason. Max Freed is shut down until his arm feels better, and it's possible. And like I said, it could just be sore forearm, but it could also lead to Tommy John, which would sit him down for a very long time. Mike Soroka is actively pitching. He is in the rotation in AAA. He is a phone call away from coming to Atlanta. And I think that that, like I said, I think that is very close to happening, but because Soroka is actively pitching as a part of a rotation right now, excuse me, and doing so well, uh, I think it is more likely that Soroka comes back. So see, I should have asked it this way, because this is clearly stumped you guys. Or I mean, not stumped, let me bring you just answer the question clearly, but it did change your answer and it was, I think it is more likely that Max Freed returns this year than Michael John Graydon Soroka gets a win for the for the Atlanta Braves. Because I I, at this point, you know, it's been what two years since he last pitched for the Braves. Uh, Three years, twenty twenty, maybe. And so it it just it just feels like every time he's close, you know, not close, but like he he takes some steps, he takes a step back, and he's got a setback. So I would say that Max Max Freed, it's it's more likely he actually just returns than Mike Soroka gets a win for the Braves. Good, we had some disagreement here. Awesome. This is what we're looking Discourse. For. There we go. I 
So I lean towards it is more likely, which is this is kind of the more boring side of it, but the Braves need this side of it to happen. I think it's more likely Max Reed returns this year than than Sor- or excuse me, not that way. I believe that it's more likely Soroka gets a win than Freed returns. The Brave the Braves need Freed to return. That's what they need to have happen. I guess the initial part of the question when I said uh, is it more likely that Soroka get a win or Freed not return? You know, the Braves want Freed to return there and the and uh, and, and all that. But uh, I think Soroka is going to get called up before Freed comes back, and I think that's going to make the difference here. Now, both things might happen, but I expect if Soroka is not called things up, happen honestly. If Soroka's not called up by July, he ain't getting called up. So my stance is at the very minimum, Soroka's deal would happen first. Because if you're not calling him up all this time, that that Freed's rotation spot's empty. Yeah, he's not getting called up unless there's another uh, another injury to Strider or or Morton or something. So I'm going to go that route because Wright is out for two months and Freed is out for two months and, until you know mid July or at least early July. So I'm going to go that side of it. But we had some disagreement there, and I like that. So I'm going to give you guys each one to answer on your own here. Um, I'll give my two cents on both because I like everything. But we'll start with Brooks on this one. We'll go to the sport of NASCAR. Okay. The All-Star Race is at at North Wilkesboro this weekend, a classic NASCAR track that they've not raced at in over 20 years, uh, revitalized by Marcus Smith, who owns Speedway Motorsports, and then Dale Earnhardt Jr. So a lot of excitement. Is it more likely, Brooks, that this All-Star Race at North Wilkesboro is a – raging success and nascar begins coming for the all-star race every year at north wilkesboro or is it more likely that the product is actually kind of bad this weekend and nascar no longer nascar does not return to north north wilkesboro in any capacity what's more likely to happen (laughs) can i have a c option (laughs) Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll explain my C option after mm-hmm. I, I give I give the actual answer. I think it's more likely that this weekend the it, it's a raging success overall, and they come back to it. I don't know if it would be every year, but sure. I, I think that it'd be a. I think it's it it's more likely that they they have the it's a raging success they come back because you already see it there's a lot of excitement on social media about this it's been building up for a few months you've seen some of the nascar uh you know writers and and media personalities around nascar talking about this for for a couple months now when you're building up closer to the all-star race um, and especially because this is the NASCAR 75th anniversary, there's a lot more people talking about the history around the track and everything. So, so I think that it's more likely that they they it's a raging success and they come back uh, they come back again every single year. Now, my C option that I, I would actually like to take is that the product on the track is not great, but they continue to come back because anyway. people mm-hmm. like the people love nostalgic nostalgic stuff and people love the historic stuff and they they may not go back every single year, but you put it back on as a as a as a fun maybe you do it as an exhibition race, you know, at the beginning of the year instead of you take the, you know, you've done the Coliseum for the the showdown a couple times, maybe you take the show down to uh and to the to north, north wilkesboro, wilkesboro yeah. maybe you some of these old some of these tracks that are you know at dale jr and in his group they've started kind of a trend you've seen several other racetracks around 
that NASCAR used to go to start to get a little revitalized and people are starting to build those back up and, and rediscover those. I, I think that you could see a, a movement like that where you take an exhibition race to them. So my ultimate one would be that C one where it's not a great on the track product. It's, it's still an all-star race. It doesn't, you know, it, it's, it's still, you know, not, not a regular season NASCAR race, but it's, it's fun. It takes you back to, to, to the nostalgic times of NASCAR, um, but I think that's more likely out of those two options that you go with that the the A option where it, it's a raging success. You go back every single year. I agree. I think NASCAR has realized that they got a little bit away from what made NASCAR successful in the yeah. first place. They got to those mile and a half tracks that um, just were kind of the general way to build speedways, and they and they worried so much about where they were taking. Where uh, where they were taking the races? Where in terms of the city, yeah. not the track and how it raced itself. And now they have, to some degree, that will all market will matter. But I think North Wilkesboro, I think it's got a chance to race well. Although you listen to some driver comments, they're skeptical about it. I just think this car doesn't race well, and I'm going to probably be saying that until we get to the new gen car in like eight or ten years because this is going to be around a while. I just think the rear diffuser sucks, and it, it is going to always make close proximity racing, other than, of course, restrictor plate racing. It's going to make it difficult because you can't keep the air on your nose if you're the car following close behind. You can't move the other car uh, with with your air. So I, I think in this short track, it's not going to race that well. However, I agree with you that I think we're going to be going back here a lot because they put so much effort into this. And I think you can feel the excitement. There are certain events in NASCAR that stand out from the other. It's a 36-race season plus an exhibition and all-star race. So there's some tracks, some races that get lost in the fray. They're just the everyday week. But this has not been one of them. Yeah. And I don't know if I've heard of this much excitement around the all-star race. Yeah. You know, They went to Charlotte for years and years before COVID made them try some other tracks. And I think the excitement here is alone going to be able to carry the desire to do this again now six years from now will we still be doing this well it's going to have to race well yeah. and be entertaining at some point but i do think they'll continue to go back uh for for a few years at least all right one more here before we go to break this one's going to be for brant let's go a couple days ago it was announced that the opportunity for real players to be in the new college football video game will exist, something that we've all wanted to actually play with the real players. We've wanted to uh, not have to download a bunch of rosters and all that. So this is I'm going to cry when this game comes out. Exactly. So this I was, is the I was going to say it it's not like, you know, back in, you know, early mid 2000s where it was like, "Oh, this is just random number 15 quarterback right. at at, yeah. at uh at Florida." Someone from that went uh, and played high school ball maybe in Birmingham is now from like Arab yeah. and or you know, <laughs> if you're from the 251 and you're actually from Robertsdale but they put you from you know, Summerdale instead. I don't. I don't know. It hurts <laughs> or Foley. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Joke. Um, so you actually will now have the opportunity through collectives through NIL to be a part of the game if you're a real player. We'll mm -hmm. see if everyone does that. I suspect not everyone will do that, but I think a lot will. So, Brant, this is more about the game as a whole. Is it more likely that the game we get next summer, the return to college football on video games? Is it more likely that it will be truly a good game that we will enjoy playing, 
Or is it more likely that the game's actually going to kind of blow and we're going to be waiting for the next <laughs> rendition for them to actually fix a bunch of things? I have very complex feelings about this question, Ryan. It's a question I've asked multiple times to myself. <laughs> so the first thing you have to do when you're looking at this is you have to take in context the company that's making it. It's being made by EA Sports, which is, which is who made all the original games as well. It's in the game. It's in the game. And they also make Madden. Madden has been really, really bad for several years. It is the worst sports video game. And I don't mean of the big ones. There's actually an Australian League football game that I've never played, but I've heard is really good. It's, it's better than Madden, um, even though no one in America plays it. It's, that's the company that's making this game, is this company that has a history of rushing games, putting them out before they should be put out, uh, trying to create crunch to make deadlines, uh, and releasing games unfinished or unpolished or just straight up bad. That's EA Sports, right? Uh, Electronic Arts as a whole. So here's the thing that gives me hope. This game was supposed to come out in a couple of weeks. When they announced it, they wanted it to come out before this upcoming football season. Yes. They have delayed it by a year. They have given this creative team, and and here's the other thing, this other detail that I'm really harping on and really, really clinging to. The people who make Madden are not touching this game. This is a completely different group that is putting together this game. That makes me hopeful. (laughs) And here's, here's my stance on delaying games, because delaying games is a pretty common practice even though EA Sports and EA as a whole tries to avoid it. With with a game, and I can't remember who said this, but some legendary Japanese developer said this at some point. When a game is rushed and it comes out too early before it is done, it is unfinished forever. You can make patches later whenever you want, but the game will always be remembered as having launched unfinished. When a game is delayed it can eventually become good. And it may be late, but when it is released, it will be good. At least that's the hope, right? So you're, you're, fix, you're taking the time to fix the problems before the problems become problems for people other than you. So, do I think the game will be good? Yes, I do. I have high hopes. And maybe it is blind optimism that's giving me that hope, but I have that hope. And... The fact that the Madden folks aren't going to be touching it, the fact that they gave this development team one extra year to work on this game, that is a very long time. Usually delays are a couple of weeks, maybe a month, maybe two in rare cases. They're, they delayed this game by a full calendar year to give it more time to become polished and become finished and do all the things they want to do. That gives me hope. I, th- I think it is more likely that the game is good than it sucks. I agree with you. I'm going to be optimistic. They're taking their time with this, like you said. They've reached out to schools about things that those schools value, part of their traditions, potentially fight songs and and, and all that. And then the fact that you're going to have real people in the game, you know, maybe that percentage is going to be interesting. I don't know what that percentage will be like, if it'll be most or half or what, but... I believe the Madden, the, the, the running rate for Madden is every player that's in the game gets a $1,000 check when the game releases. So... I wonder if that'll be enough for college. Yeah, I don't know, but I wouldn't. Also, I wouldn't mind decline. I mean, why would I decline a thousand dollars? Yeah, you don't have to to do anything. Don't have to do anything. So, 
Uh, we shall see. We are out of time for this segment. Only a couple minutes left in the show. We'll take one final timeout. We'll be back to wrap things up right after this. Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, wrapping things up here on this Thursday. Some rainbows down uh, near the ballpark. Um promising us some dry weather at some point. Although, if you're just in North Auburn, you're getting poured on right now. and That's the difference a couple miles can make. Hopefully, they get in baseball at Plainsman Park tonight. We just played a game of sports calls more likely to happen. If you missed that at all, go back and check things out on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand Wherever you get your podcast, enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports song. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Waning seconds of the show. Time for a nightly TV guide to wrap things up. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV. I'm presented by White Claw Hearts. Seltzer Brooks, what do we got? Yeah. We got Yeah. Oh, well, we got. You didn't turn my mic on. Yeah, wrong one. Yep. I moved. He on. moved yep. to the five o'clock hour, and I got confused. Yeah. That's still my fault, though. I'm sorry, Brooks. I'm only going to give you one movie pick for this evening because Ryan's made me upset, and also there's a plethora <laughs> more of sports on tonight than there has been the rest of the week. Pitch Perfect Two is tonight at seven o'clock on AMC. The sequel to the uh, wonderful Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect Two is also very wonderful. So check that out. College baseball action for you tonight. 6 o'clock on FS1. Number 9, UConn visits uh, Creighton in some Big East action. That's right. There's some college baseball on FS1. You don't hear that very often. Also tonight, uh, college baseball action, as you know, Missouri takes on Auburn. Supposed to start at 6. Don't know when it's actually going to start, but that's on the SEC Network. Plus, also, you can listen to it over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. Uh, elsewhere in the sports world tonight, some lacrosse action for you on ESPNU. Loyola takes on Northwestern in the women's tournament. And then you've got the uh, the playoffs continue in the NBA tonight. 7.40 on ESPN with the Lakers and Denver, Denver Nuggets. Game 2. 7 o'clock on TNT. The Stanley Cup playoff Eastern Conference Finals start between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. And then late night tonight, 9 o'clock on Telemundo. And it's some Liga MX soccer action for the uh, semifinals of the Liga MX season. And that's the look at your nightly TV guy brought to you by friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much, Brooks, for that TV guy, for being on the show today and throughout the week. Yeah. Uh, you will not be on tomorrow. I hope you get to enjoy an Auburn baseball game tonight. We'll see you next week. Sure do. And, Brant, thank you for being here again today, sir. We'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you for having me. Of course, as always, as always, we thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.